Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Music for a Book podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Britt. And I'm Hannah. And every two weeks, we read and review a book, assign a song to that book, draw the parallels between the two, and have some fun along the way. So welcome to our very special season one finale, our 13th episode. Lucky number 13. 13. We made it through the first season. So exciting. I genuinely cannot believe a full season has gone by. It's wild to me. I know. I I love the journey like we've been on from all the books we've read, the diverse genres and everything we've kind of walked through. Excited yeah. to end on this mystery thriller. Me too. And book. I just, I feel like we've really refined what we want everything to be along the way. And things are just going to get even better from here. <laughs> yes. And we appreciate all the feedback that our listeners have given us. Yes, to definitely become something that you want to listen to because we could talk about anything and everything all day long, but we definitely want to make sure we're entertaining for y'all. Yes. So welcome on in. If this is your first time listening, hello. If you are returning again, thank you so much for your support. We're so excited. This week we read The Drowning Woman by Robin Harding, going back to our roots of a thriller genre. So on the cover, one of our previous authors, Mary Kubica, actually said, everything I love in a thriller. And we loved her book that we read. So I know I was excited to read this one by Robin Harding. Absolutely. So how this episode will work is we are going to go over a brief synopsis of the book as well as trigger warnings. So that way everyone is well aware of kind of what we're heading into. Then we will reveal our song choices. And then from there, we're going to enter what we like to call spoiler territory, meaning that everything that happens cover to cover in this book is fair game. And the way that we've been talking about books for the last few episodes is probably how we will do it moving forward, which is a little more gossipy and a little less on the nose of the timeline of the book kind of step by step. We just find that it's a little more fun to talk about books in this manner. So you will probably hear some spoilers if you have not read the book or you're interested in reading it. At that point, we recommend pausing, listening, and or reading, and then coming back once you've done so. Dear Reader. So we are excited to talk about this book with you, but like with every book that we do read and review, we always go over trigger warnings. So the trigger warnings for The Drowning Woman by Robin Harding are domestic abuse, emotional and physical abuse, murder, homelessness, dementia and death of a parent, infidelity, and sexual content. And like always to check your trigger warnings, you know what triggers you before you read the, any book that you pick up. Yes. And this one is a little bit heavier on that kind of content than some of the other ones that we've done, a little more explicit in some details. So just be aware as we move forward. And then I'm going to give you a brief synopsis. I'm actually just going to read the sleeve that's in the hardcover copy and encompasses everything pretty well. So Lee Gulliver never thought she'd find herself living on the streets. No one ever does. But when her restaurant fails and she falls deeper into debt, she leaves her old life behind with nothing but her clothes and her Toyota Corolla. In Seattle, she parks in a secluded spot by the beach to lay low and plan her next move. Until early one morning, she sees a sobbing woman throw herself into the ocean. Lee hauls the woman back to the surface, but instead of appreciation, she is met with fury. The drowning woman, Hazel, 
tells her that she wanted to die, that she's trapped in a toxic, abusive marriage, that she's a prisoner in her own home. Lee has thwarted her one chance to escape her life. Out of options, Hazel retreats to her gilded cage and Lee thinks she's seen the last of her until her unexpected return the next morning. Bonded by disparate but difficult circumstances, the women strike up a close and unlikely friendship. Then one day, Hazel makes a shocking request. She wants Lee to help her disappear. It'll be easy, Hazel assures her. Lee soon learns that nothing is as it seems and that Hazel may not be the friend Lee thought she was. Dun dun dun. Very dramatic. <laughs> yes. Are you ready to reveal our song choices before we start talking about the book? Yeah, let's reveal our song choices before we start talking about the book. The footnote. Hannah and Brittany started talking about the book before they revealed their song choices, so this is recorded uh, halfway through talking about the book. That's how excited we were about talking Oops. about The Drowning Woman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's reveal our song choices. I'll go first. I I wanted to try and stick with Taylor and Harry to keep it on brand for the last episode, but I simply could not because I had the perfect non-Taylor Harry song. And that song is Glitter Bomb by Incubus. And I'm so excited to talk about it. That'll be fun. Yes. I did stick to Taylor. I chose Illicit Affairs. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Can't wait to talk about that after we talk about the whole book and not just, you know, part one. All right. We ready to talk about this book? I'm ready to talk about this book. I've been, we've been sitting on this for a minute and we even hung out with each other and we did not talk about it. I was really proud of this. (laughs) I know. It was so tempting because as soon as I finished this book, I was like, I need to talk about it with somebody. And yep. Nope, nobody had read it except for it. So I'm excited to finally, finally talk about Lee and Hazel. Here we are. Where do we want to begin with a drowning woman? I would say let's talk about Lee. Let's introduce her since it starts out with her perspective. Yeah. So Lee is one of our narrators and she currently is homeless. She's living in her Toyota Corolla. Pre-pandemic, she was a restaurant owner at a restaurant called The Aviary. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and a lot of people fall in hard times. And she kind of got involved with a guy that runs the block. I feel like it's like a a loan shark in the worst possible sense of the word. Like a yeah. like an illegal loan shark sort of vibe. Yes. And so she gets messed up with that and drops everything, falls into some money trouble. And one night at the restaurant... Her sister's significant other comes in with somebody else draped over him, just fawning over him. Mm-hmm. So instead of being, you know, a good sister and telling her sister, Lee decides to try to blackmail this guy into hopefully getting her the money um, to kind of get her out of this debt. It it backfires. He does not take the the bait confesses everything to Lee's sister, and Lee is basically disowned. So between losing her sister and family that way, and then also her restaurant because she couldn't pay back her debts, she found herself running and running, and now she is in Seattle, living out of her car and working at this diner that pays under the table. And that is Lee. That is Lee. And we get a little bit 
of a glimpse into what it's like a day in her life, how she struggles with the day to day, how she, you know, tries to sneak access into public pools to use the bathroom for a quick shower, how when she sleeps, she sleeps with a knife in her hand because she always almost has to sleep with one eye open to be, you know, on guard for her safety. And she very much gets looped into this group of people where she calls herself and she says that people refer to her as like a vagrant like someone who just doesn't belong all of these things but she had a life that she was proud of and that's how it happens sometimes it just things just don't go your way you don't have familial support you don't have a good like support circle around you and like she said in the synopsis no one believes that this will be their situation until it is i will say i we will get into because we alternate from lee's perspective and hazel's perspective i far preferred lee's perspective to hazel's me too i was worried at first that lee was gonna be like a super unreliable narrator Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't really care for her but i found myself wanting to hear her side of the story more than anything yep just because we're in the Snarling House, right? They talked about how that character, I can't even remember her name. Opal? Opal? Opal, yeah. Was so, like, desolate and just ugly. And I was worried that that's how, like, Lee was going to be portrayed. Mm-hmm. But she's not. Like, she is definitely down on her luck. Is in a very unfortunate situation that she doesn't want to be in. But I found her still very smart in the way she delivers her story yep at the restaurant she works uncle jack's it is one of those hole in the wall places and she has certain certain customers in there but she just really tries to get her life back together and so one day when she was pulling up on the beach and she heard that woman like sobbing on the beach and saw herself throw herself into the ocean lee decided to go like rescue her this is where we meet hazel hazel is like the quintessential suburban housewife like trophy wife goes on her jogs wears lululemon is prim and pristine head to toe could definitely be on the real housewives of something she is pissed at lee for saving her because she says that she wants to die we learn later that that not necessarily the case There was another reason. We will get into that down the line here. But like I said, they form this unlikely friendship. Hazel comes back to find Lee after the situation and finds her in her car, brings her breakfast, and they start kind of chatting. And they eventually open up to each other about the situations that they're in. And Hazel says that she married this man. And this man had a notorious reputation, but she didn't listen. And that she is trapped in basically a prison of this marriage where she is not allowed to think for herself do anything for herself she's in this like contractual obligation with her husband where the relationship when they were dating and when they were engaged was leaning in like a sexual way of a dom and a sub but when benjamin told hazel that he wanted to marry her she would have to give over total control of herself to the relationship and to him so she's confiding in lee and we don't really know if hazel's telling the truth i mean for all intents and purposes i believed she was at the time but obviously there's more 
to the story and more going on. So that's how those two kind of start talking and they start formulating a plan. Yep. Then things go very wrong very quickly. Yeah. So one night, Lee's car gets broken into. Mm-hmm. And so Lee doesn't have enough money to get it repaired. So she tries to ask for advance on her paycheck. It doesn't work. And eventually she gets the money and she goes to the auto shop to get it fixed. Yep. Develops kind of like a cold and she's like, I cannot get sick. I cannot afford to get sick. There's a guy at the auto shop that like she sneezes or something and he says, bless you. And later that guy shows up to the restaurant. And so this guy shows up to the restaurant and his name is Jesse. And he will come into play a little bit later. But he is somebody we kind of meet briefly early on yeah there's just this like odd i feel like there's always this little odd sense that you feel like something is going to go wrong you just don't know what through this book i felt like up until maybe the last 20 25 that the pacing was like really solid i felt engaged i felt like there was enough action and then a little bit of a regression and it wasn't just like a full in your face and then the last like i don't know i want to say 20 25 of the book it started to like mm, i don't know if i like where this is going but getting to that point like we have moments like hannah said where she gets her car repaired for her or there's a moment where you know in uncle jack's lee kind of meets jesse's gaze and they kind of have this like this vibe going on hazel ends up treating lee to like a full spa day like sends her to the spa in the neighborhood says she's gonna meet her there pay for it ditches her that day because she's like oh well benjamin will question if there's more than one charge for the spa so i will just forego my treatments and take whatever punishment he's gonna give me for you so hooks lee up with like a haircut, a mani-pedi, a massage, a bikini wax, literally everything. And then Lee only has this like very ancient flip phone. She can only contact Hazel at certain times due to the nature of the relationship with her husband. So Lee is left there at the, the salon after she's gotten pampered, thanks to Hazel, you know, to feel beautiful for Jesse. They're like, hi, that's going to be like $530. And she's like, um, my friend's paying for me. And they were like, what friend? And I really genuinely thought that Hazel was going to leave her stranded for a second. Me too. Can we also talk about, so Jesse and Lee were hooking up yes. before this too. Yes. And Lee was just trying to really hide that she was homeless. So she, you know, would go over to Jesse's and thought it was weird. He didn't really have anything in his apartment. But he mm-hmm. had this like really nice car. Yeah. And he said he was a personal trainer. She just felt almost kind of like inferior though to him. So I think this like spa trip helped her to get, get her confidence a little bit with Jesse too. Yep. Oh, I forgot the some of the timing is like off. How this book is kind of laid out. This was one of my biggest gripes with the book and why I'm like, I really enjoyed it for what it was. But when I've been sitting on it, I haven't liked it as much is that we get Lee's perspective. And then we get Hazel's perspective, but it's her perspective of all of the events that just took place with, it feels like almost no added information besides a couple of holes that we get from her side. Like, I just wanted there to be less of a repetition of conversations that they had on that side 
and more of like an explanation of things going on in her head on on her perspective of things. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's why I liked The Housemaid is because when it did shift perspectives, it wasn't like, let's just rehash everything we just did. It like went to kind of before that, the reason, and then to current time. Yeah, and I, I liked that better than how this was set up. Yeah, like it, it still talked about those events, but they were in like shorter bursts, but like, I felt like I was like reabsorbing the exact same dialogue that I just had in the first half. You know what I mean? Yeah. But jumping back because my brain's all over the place and that's just, I feel like that's how this book is going to go. So <laughs> like Hannah said, they were kind of hooking up in Jesse's apartment. There's one thing Lee is like trying to present herself to Jesse as this, like Hannah said, this person that has it all together. And my biggest tip off and kind of red flag that I had for Jesse was it was in chapter 18 and it's where they like he sleeps with her but like they do it in public like on the side of her car right outside of her work and it was really like brazen and rough and like not good and it left her feeling like super dirty and not like taken care of in stark contrast to the way that he had been with her previously and something about that whole situation just made me feel very icky. And I like immediately was like, mm, I feel like I shouldn't. I feel like I shouldn't like this person. Yeah. No, I feel you there. So as Lee and Hazel, too, are like building their friendship. <laughs> so Hazel brings her this trinket and it's a Netsuki, which is a little so like a rare collectible. And so Hazel's like, you know, I'm giving you this like you saved my life. You know, to Lee and Lee's like, well, I'll pay you back. And Hazel's like, no, like, this is a gift. You know, Benjamin won't even know what's missing. Like, you can pawn this for a lot of money. So Lee does take it to the pawn shop. And the guy's like, well, you can actually probably find a collector for this and make a lot more money. Yeah. So she keeps it. And like, with that thought in mind to, oh, maybe I will sell it for some more money um, to try to help her get ahead. As things are kind of like evolving with Jesse, he gets involved via lee with hazel's situation and hazel is basically like listen i cannot do this with my husband anymore i would rather die than continue to stay in this marriage i need help getting out and lee you're going to help me you're about my height and build you're gonna help me disappear they hatch a plan where they're going to get hazel they're going to take money out of the safe they're going to get her a fake id they're going to Send her to Panama City. Yeah. So talking about sending her to Panama City, Lee's role is basically to just keep Hazel on track and also to go into the house as like, I know the word, I just can't think of it. Like full of cameras? Yes. Like, already. so basically to fool the cameras that Hazel is home, is on her routine before she flees the country assumes a new identity and goes and lives and rebuilds herself in Panama City. They have a whole plan. Like they're doing car exchanges at Trader Joe's with keys on top of tires. There's like it feels like a 47 step plan where so many things could go wrong, but nothing's going to go wrong. Nothing. Nothing's going to go wrong. Lee's going to go into this house. Right. She's going to go into this house. And 
the reason she's going in for this specific time frame is because at this time hazel always makes lunch there's going to be a salad that she'll assemble and in the house there are very specific areas that have cameras and so lee will always have her back facing a certain way and she's going during this time because benjamin will be out of the house for a very specific time frame because their life is very regimented and very scheduled and also to note benjamin is a very 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 powerful attorney and he is well respected and also feared in the community for who he is and what he's done within his career lee kind of starts like walking around a little bit because things just don't we're just not really sure things seem a little off i know i've said this before i'd be like oh my gosh we in a 300 page book we're at page 200 before something happens yeah and i will say like the end of lee's um chapter here lee's part is like page 107 and something mm -hmm. happens and i was excited i was like yes okay yes it was that's what i like good pacing mm -hmm. was it was 100 percent really solid obviously lee is not doing this without like just out of the kindness of her heart she has been offered fifty thousand american dollars and a new passport a new life like exactly like a clean slate fully start over go wherever she wants and just take care of herself that's kind of her driving force here she's in the house so she had to occupy herself and she had to busy herself until two i believe it was because hazel begged her for like a two hour head start so lee had kind of loitered for a little bit she went to the house she was in the mansion for almost half an hour and she needed to leave about 20 minutes from where she currently was so she remembered that there were no cameras in the bathroom so she was gonna go to the bathroom hazel shared a full floor plan with her and so she heads for the toilet as she's coming out though she is like i need to occupy my time what else am i gonna do and she realizes that benjamin's study is right outside of that first floor like powder room bathroom situation Benjamin also, quote unquote, likes his privacy, so he does not have cameras in that part of the house either. So she comes in and she's like, well, I'll just, you know, I'm curious to know more about this like horrific man that's been abusing my friend, that's been leaving marks on her, that's been controlling every aspect of her life and doing all of these things. She starts down the hall toward like the open door. She hears a little crack and she's not really sure what's going on but she starts to panic so she turns to go get away and something in the corner of her eye catches her attention and that something is a hand a tattooed hand mm -hmm. something that benjamin laval does not have is a tattooed hand but you know who does mr jesse jesse sure does that's when i don't know i was surprised i did not see that coming I, that was the one like big twist that i was like oh shit like i a thousand percent expected benjamin to be dead in there or hazel to be dead in there mm -hmm. yep i was thinking well maybe hazel killed benjamin and she's trying to frame lee was my yes thought. yeah well especially Which like I mean, you know, she did a lot. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, to see Jesse in the chair, I was like, what is his connection? Like, 
I yeah like why was he there in the house because at this point yeah. he only knew of like the the outline of the plan but he didn't know like what was going on and yeah. there are a couple of odd happenings like Lee loses her keys and Jesse finds them outside of his apartment and Lee is missing her knife that's in her car and there's just a lot of like odd things that have happened but nothing that would have directly linked up until this point Jesse to the LaValle's. Yeah. Crazy. I know. That one was wild. I like, that was like a, oh, no way. Holy shit. I know. I was holding my breath like, who's in the chair? You yep. said Jesse. I was like, pleasantly surprised. I was like, okay. Yeah. Did not see that coming. Yep. And then we switched perspectives. I love when it hang like, leaves you on a cliffhanger. I'm like, no. Yeah. I want more Lee. Like, tell me more about what happens next. Absolutely. And we go through, like, I mean, part three is, like, another, like, 50 pages. So we have, like, a good solid Hazel yeah. perspective before we learn um, kind of more what happens. So now we're introduced to Hazel. Yeah. From her perspective. So we learn about kind of how her and Benjamin met. She was very drawn to him. Like, the life that she dreamed of, right? You don't have to want for anything. You have all the money in the world that you can think of. You know, she said her parents got divorced when she was young. So having, you know, a partner that seemed to dote on her hand and foot and just kind of be that loving support for her mm -hmm. was something that she dreamed of. And growing up, she also lived in an atmosphere of just like financial anxiety so the thought of being comfortable in that sense was very comforting to her. When her mom got older, her mom did develop dementia. And so they got married and Benjamin produced a contract to her that basically, like we said earlier, allows him to fully control everything in her life down to what he calls her, what she does and doesn't do. And one of the things that she would get in return is to have her mom's expenses paid for. So, uh, you know, as a daughter, why not, right? Like, I want my mom to be taken care of. She's like, okay. But quickly, Hazel learned that this contract was probably not the most ideal for her. Um, just the way he treated her, how she realized she didn't have any really control of her life and had to stick to a very strict schedule. She was able to negotiate like some time to go to the gym. And that was kind of her like reprieve from like the monotony and the kind of misogyny too of her husband. Just kind of her release. Yeah, because he didn't he cut down like her running because she loved to run and he cut it down because she was quote unquote too thin from it. Mm -hmm. And then he also forced her to get breast implants. So it was definitely like a basically every part of her appearance and the things that she did to what she ate he controlled mm -hmm. and benjamin just would you know emotionally and physically abuse her and really wanted the pain and humiliation she felt to be real and where at first she said you know she tried to be a good enough actress to kind of play along and it just didn't didn't please benjamin enough so he really had to kind of force her to comply with what he wanted but when she was at the gym, she met someone who kind of, like, helped her through the situation. And that was 
a personal trainer named Jesse. Oh, Jesse. Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. It to be honest, Jesse was the most complex character in this whole book. This man had 77 different identities. I know. And like 13 personas that he brought forward. Like, yeah, totally. But so Hazel and Jesse started hooking up. So she, instead of taking that time when she was at the gym, they would go and make love and then come back in her allotted time. And even to go far enough into even to go far enough into them saying that they love each other. You know, Hazel's in this very unloving relationship with Benjamin and here she found Jesse who she feels like she can just be herself with and somebody that loves her unconditionally that she found at the gym. Jesse then forms a plan with Hazel because she's like, I just wish I could be with you. And he's like, then just be with me. And she's like, you don't understand who Benjamin is. Like, he will kill you. He will kill me. He'll throw my mom on the street. He's dangerous. And Jesse's like, okay. So you disappear. You just disappear. And I will help you do it. So they hatch a plan. They pick a date. And they try to figure out how to make her disappear. And so they come up with this plan where she is going to pretend to drown. And Jesse's going to come save her on a boat that he's going to charter. And so they come up with a plan. Um, They're going to get her a new passport. They're going to just change her identity. And that's going to be it. So she, her and Jesse are ready. She writes a goodbye letter to Benjamin. She jogs past a Toyota Corolla sitting in the beach parking lot. I thought that was interesting too that Hazel said she's seen the Toyota Corolla a couple Mm -hmm. mornings that she's jogged by and she just thought it was abandoned. She didn't think that there would be anybody in it. They even talk about Leah's like, you have to be careful around her. Like she could hurt you and all these things. And Hazel's like, no, she's definitely like, she's harmless. Don't even worry about her. And Jesse's like, well, I met her. Jesse then the we'll talk about it in a second, but Jesse really just I just don't under this man. This man. And too, even when, you know, Hazel's like confronts Jesse after Lee saves her and is like, mm-hmm. Where were you? You were supposed to save me. Like I'm not I wasn't actually supposed to drown. Yeah. Like, uh, this was the plan to fake drown me. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I was like five, maybe ten minutes late. But it's like, we didn't even see him. Like, like, he wasn't. No. Jesse then starts to, like, hatch this plan. Where he's like, listen. We can just get rid of Benjamin. How about instead of trying to fake drown you and send you to Panama, we just ditch the husband. It'll be real simple. You keep the house. You keep the money. Can take care of your mom. I can move into your mansion. I can keep all of your money. You know, just like the un- unsaid things in between. You know, Hazel's like, um, how do you suppose to do this? And oh, he goes, oh, when she's like, I would be a prime suspect. We can't do this. And she men- mentions that Jesse has a pants past that he will not talk about. And he goes, oh no, Lee has a knife. If it's the murder weapon, she'll just be arrested. So he immediately throws Lee under the bus. And by under the bus, I mean shoves her directly in front of one going 45 miles an hour. Yeah. And it's not that, like, he's just like, we can't do that to her. And Jesse's like, prison's not that bad. 
she'll probably get off on like a mental health deal and she'll be fine i know this is where i kind of i started to lose hazel i'm like you i know you want to be out of this but why are you agreeing to this with jesse especially after like the friendship that we did start to see and like the selflessness that lee showed hazel or hazel definitely agrees to jesse's plan because we find out here that jesse's like oh lee crashed in my place last night like don't worry about it no big deal hazel's like i'm sorry what because he's doing his research basically to get close to her so this plan can work aka sleeping with her and he never tells hazel that he's sleeping with lee but again hazel and lee are friends and so when they are talking as friends hazel starts to put some pieces together and it's just all yeah. bad and i feel like that's when hazel's kind of snap back into like reality yes like like yes. men i can't can't trust them you know yeah. like she's like i can't i don't know i feel like it's that like struggle right like i can't be mad at lee like lee doesn't know that you know she has a relationship with jesse or anything and mm -hmm. but jesse sure knows yep jesse sure knows what he's doing mm -hmm. they do set this plan in motion and all of the things we do kind of see hazel bring to the table like in that first half we're all with a purpose like the little trinket that she gave Lee was to try and make her seem like she had this weird obsession with their family and that maybe she stole it from them and pawned it for money. And we didn't talk about this in Lee's half, but it happens in dual timelines where when Hazel's recounting, she's out with her like hoity-toity rich friends that are approved by Benjamin and Lee actually runs into her. And Lee's like, oh, hi, Hazel. And the women are like, oh, yikes. Homeless woman. Ah. And Hazel puts on a show of basically pretending to not know Lee in that kind of way. And instead is like, oh, here's $50 for lunch on me. I'll, you know, take care of yourself. And like puts on the show of giving her this almost like charity in front of her friends to create this again this illusion that lee is quote unquote obsessed with hazel and obsessed with she's stalking her she's following her she's going to all these places that she was going to mm -hmm. yep and then so when lee's keys go missing is when hazel and jesse steal the knife out of lee's car mm -hmm. to help frame lee for the murder because that is going to be the murder weapon yes when lee was sent to the spa and she like very casually asked hazel if she could get a bikini wax because it's been a while hazel immediately was like oh shit is jesse sleeping with her because he's denying it but it's seeming like from lee that might be happening and then i feel like hazel's just so desperate after that mm -hmm. she's like Lee's not going to believe me. Lee's going to run right to Jesse if I tell her, you know, who, how Jesse's helping me, blah, blah, blah. And because Hazel feels very hopeless in her situation, too, that Jesse is her only life and so she can't cut those ties at all either, which is kind of sad. Yeah, something to, that I like, I wished this would have woken her up sooner 
is when Hazel is denying the phone calls from Lee. She says that it's because of her husband. It's because she's with Jesse when Lee's at the spa. Jesse literally punches Hazel in the face, like directly in her cheekbone, hardest can be out of nowhere, and says that it's to be convincing to Lee that her husband is abusing her. Jesse just wanted to hit her. Literally. Because that's who Jesse is. Literally just wanted to hit her. And like the whole thing where Lee is involved is such a scam because Jesse's plan the whole time was to just kill Benjamin. And now they're just trying to frame Lee along the It's just Jesse is a horrible person. Yes. Horrible. Even Hazel kind of stood up and she's like, Benjamin would never actually hit me in the face. His response is Lee doesn't know that. But the thing is like Benjamin would know that. Yes. I know this isn't a video podcast, but you can't see, you can't, you just can't see my eye rolling Yeah, every five seconds when we talk about Jesse. Literally, it's so bad. Ugh. Mm. It's like when we were talking about, oh my God, what's his name? From the housemaid. And we were like, because we had read the whole book at that point and we were like, ew. But we were like, oh my God, isn't he such a great father? Isn't he such a great Husband. Yeah, what was his name? I gotta look it up. It's gonna bug me. Andrew. Andy. Andrew. Andy. Andy. Good old Andy. But yeah, I just to Jesse. Yeah. So Hazel comes home with a black eye. And Benjamin obviously is furious. Like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. You know? <laughs> he knows it's not something he did. And she's, you know, only let out of the house to do certain things. So she tells him that she was hit with a dumbbell, which that would like, depending on where he hit her, like that could like burst your eye. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he decked her pretty hard. So yeah, it could definitely be believable. But she still convinces Benjamin to let her go to the gym. She's like, you know, if I don't show up, they might think they might be worried. Like I have to still go put up appearances. Then the switcheroo happens from Hazel's perspective. Yep. So they meet, switch everything, mm-hmm. and then we learn what Hazel was doing while Lee was just, you know, lollygagging around the house, fooling the cameras. Oh, they do. They have a bodyguard in front of their house, too. Yeah. Nate. Right. Nate. Isn't that his name? Nate? Security guard. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she notices, like, Nate's not there. Something a little, I don't know, just a little weird. And she feels like something is wrong as she's entering the house. Like, she's just hoping that everything went well. Like, Jesse went there. Benjamin was golfing. Lee made it out okay. Everything's fine. And she reaches the doorway at his desk, turns around. And Benjamin says, hello, sweetheart. Where have you been? Oh, Benjamin. I do want to know how quickly, because it seemed like when Lee found Jesse that there was like blood everywhere. Yeah, she like wiped blood off of her, onto her pants mm-hmm. and stuff. How quickly they like got rid of the? Yeah, it seemed to you be know? A, a swift job. <laughs> yeah, I guess Nate, the security guard, is a is an expert. I do like how both of. Part one and part two ended with somebody in the study and just, 
Yeah. That, that reveal. And so now we go back to Lee's perspective and we're taken back to where she found Jesse in the chair. So now <laughs> we heard from Hazel's perspective where that connection came from. So why Jesse was there, why Jesse is connected to the Lavals, and it's not just some random connection with Lee that he actually yeah. had a reason for being there. Hazel left Lee a note that was basically like, you have to go, you have to start over, rebuild your life. Like, Jesse is not who you think he is. I'm so sorry, you were always a good friend to me. And left her a passport with the name Kelly Jane Wilcox plus the $50,000 for her to just rebuild her life. But here's the thing. Lee doesn't know why Jesse is there either. Yeah. You know, she has that note, but Lee still is very much enamored with Jesse. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like at this point that she's like, you know what? Like, Hazel's not getting rid of me that easy. Like, I will find out why Jesse is dead. And so she finds out that Jesse has a brother. Mm -hmm. And after searching his apartment, so she walks from Hazel's house all the way to Jesse's apartment. Yep. As this was unfolding, I started to feel a little bit. I don't know if you felt this way, too. I started to feel like the spider-man meme where all of them are standing at each other like pointing guns at each other like this that's kind of how i felt i could see that like there were it was so many like this on top of this and there was like a plan with this person then a sub plan a and sub plan b and then there's gonna be plan two over here and then plan seven over there yeah and i feel like that's why i did like lee because she was she just had her one plan. Yep. Basically, you know, she's, she's like, all right, I'm going to help a friend. Yep. And she's going to get herself out. Yep. And then she ended up becoming a victim in this whole situation or a damn near victim in this situation. And so in the apartment, she finds out Jesse's real name, which allows her to do research on him. And that's how she finds out that he had a brother and found out. His past and everything in she goes to an internet cafe mm -hmm. to find all this out. So Jesse, real name Carter, she finds out was him and his brother were charged in violent home evasion and like a home invasion gone wrong and lands both brothers in jail. Through reading this article though, she's still very hesitant to believe that it's Jesse. Mm -hmm. So she's like, you know, is Carter the villain or the victim? Did Jesse hurt him, steal his ID? And she's just kind of going back and forth um, with those thoughts there. And then it's not until she sees the picture, right? Yeah. So she recognizes his eyes and in the photo. And she says, like, the discovery doesn't shock her. Mm -hmm. And she's just staring at the cold look in his eyes and uh, sees his brother there. And his brother is Sean. And so she realizes that he is the only one that can give her really the answers on who Jesse slash Carter really is. So she drives to see Sean. Yep. She stays in a motel. She um, had taken one of Jesse's journals and started going through it from trying to find like more information. And she finds some workout routines, of course, because he's a personal trainer. But she also finds like a phone number in there that does have a Seattle area code. And she called it. She did like the star six, seven old school, no caller ID. And when it rang and it answered, he just says, hello. It's a man's voice. 
she's kind of freaking out and the voice says lee is that you and she's like how does he know this is me what's going on and the voice just says tell me where you are and she hangs up immediately and so she goes to meet sean and she tells him that carter was murdered sean's like well no he can't be dead i'd be notified lee is like well i'll buy you a coffee and tell you everything i know you know sean it seems like has his life together you know sticking to a plan going to work sean kind of talks about jesse carter and just said you know the lady's gonna get enough of him he always had two or three girlfriends or well you know women four (laughs) yeah Lee is kind of like peeling back this onion, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, the Carter I knew was kind and he was caring and loved his nieces. Mm-hmm. And Sean's like, what? Our sister didn't let us see the kids. <laughs> yeah. Lee's, you know, still peeling back, you know, like, he just seems so sincere, so loving. And Sean's just like, no, you should have asked the guy that Carter, Jesse Carter beat the shit out of for no good reason. Like this old guy. Yep. Lee's like, yeah, but you went to jail, Sean, not jesse carter Mm -hmm. and you're like jesse carter jesse carter (laughs) and sean's like yep well my brother turned on me he played innocent and so i dragged him into it you know sean's like i didn't make bad choices i made mistakes but yeah you know he fell into it where jesse carter chose it yeah like he was he wanted to be part of that life like that was what kind of he he was just bad and rotten to the core from day one Um, Is how Sean kind of explains it. And so they keep talking and Sean says that Jesse Carter's lawyer manipulated him and convinced him that turning on his brother was the only way to save himself. Sean's like, yep, the only person I hate is Benjamin Laval. Benjamin Laval. Benjamin. He's the real villain in this story. He really is. I mean, Jesse's Carter, Jesse carter jesse is not great himself however no no benjamin piece of shit no but he's just dumb like jesse carter is just dumb he's yeah he's just dumb and driven by money like yeah piece of shit in his own regard but benjamin is smart and evil yep and so lee says well i found jesse carter in benjamin laval's house and that's when like sean his brother like face his face pales and he just I feel like like takes a deep breath and is like, well, Carter must have really pissed him off. He's like, you know, he'll get away with it, too. He's too smart, too ruthless. He won't be taken down for getting rid of, you know, this low level. That's where they part ways. Lee is like reeling with all of this information because she's like, okay, so that means that Benjamin and Jesse Carter are tied together. And then Jesse and Hazel are tied together. And then... Hazel and Benjamin are tied together and then Jesse's tied to me and Hazel's tied to me and how the fuck is this going to work? Right. Like what is happening? And I feel like at one point I definitely could have been like the crazed eye like guy with like the all of the red lines connecting everything together to one another because there was a part where I was like slightly overwhelmed trying to keep track of who was telling the truth to whom and why and for what and what was happening and like i felt like i couldn't trust any of the recounts like that were happening and i wasn't sure what to do with this information yep 
This is very minor, but I feel like it does a lot for Lee, though, is she is able to call and talk to her sister mm-hmm. for a short time. And just to kind of be like, hey, I'm leaving the country. Bye. Yeah. She ends up to, after talking to her sister, she does talk to Benjamin Laval. She accepts the call. It's the phone number that she had called. And he basically is like, listen, you need answers. I have your answers. I will tell you. And he's like, you're not in any danger. Like, we are both victims. I am a victim of Jesse. And we are a victim of Hazel. And we are victims together. And we will we will patch this story up. Yep. And she asked to meet in, like, a park on the south side of the city. So it's like a public space. Yep. They meet up. They sure do. So we find out. Another identity of Jesse is that he was hired by Benjamin, essentially. And by hired, I mean, like, he got Benjamin a job and he was supposed to be his, like, eyes and ears for him. Because he had helped him, you know, by turning on his brother and getting him out of, basically, get out of jail free card. Yeah. He was young, and he was like, Hazel seduced this man. They became lovers, and basically, he was like, yeah, I definitely knew what was going on with them the whole time because I had eyes and ears planted absolutely everywhere. Everyone knew exactly what was happening, obviously, when the wife and trainer were sneaking out together for two hours at a time, five days a week. This is where he discovered that Jesse and Hazel were planning to kill him. And he had to, like, Uno reverse them (laughs) and change the plan himself. Yep. He tells Lee that they were going to frame her for his murder. Not just the, like, oh, pretend to be Hazel for a little bit. Take your $50,000 and run. No, no, no. She was going to be framed for murder. And then... Lee is like horrified, disgusted, because that means that her relationship with Jesse, while she already knew something was a little off, was strictly to get her on his side and mm-hmm. pair her for this. He was like, they tricked you into going into the house. You were supposed to discover my body, not Jesse's body. And, you know, security is the one who killed Jesse because it's their job to protect me. And He's like, I'm so sorry you had to see this. And he's acting very, like, very calm, very cool, very lawyer-ish about this situation. Yeah. But again, if we believe any part of Hazel's story, which at this point, I, like I said, I didn't know who to trust, who to believe, but I did believe that Benjamin was not a good person. Correct. And so at this point, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I feel like all of this is bad and I think you should just like take your money and get the fuck out of there like take the money and run you have no more ties to these people clearly they were trying to frame you for murder or harm you or do something get out of there go yeah like no matter how much of a friendship you have with Hazel like come on girl yep your friend would a true friend would not frame you for murder correct before because she does she does leave she does leave under her assumed identity. She has plane tickets. She has $50,000. She's ready to go. But before she does, there is an envelope. There is a 
flight itinerary. There's money in there. However, she does have, she's going through Jesse's stuff. She's plating her itinerary. She's figuring out things. And she notices that one half of a pen that Jesse has contains like a USB stick. And so at the computer in this internet cafe, she plugs it into what she calls her computer because she's been there so many times and bribes someone to take their earbuds from them. And I think she gave him like a hundred bucks or something. Yeah. Sits down. She hears that Carter, Jesse, was a criminal who did beat an elderly man for no reason. He was the person who sent his brother to jail and he was a sociopath. Here's the thing though. She's realizing that Hazel did not know him any better than she did because Carter's voice was not the only one that was on that tape. And we don't find out who that other person is yet because here, Lee decides there's no one she can trust. If people know that she has this, she will be killed. And that's the end of Lee's part. We go back to Hazel. And so where we left Hazel was she discovered Benjamin sitting in his chair. And of course, Benjamin right away notices that Hazel is wearing not her normal clothes and is like, what are you wearing? Yeah. And Hazel's like, oh, it's vintage. (laughs) Like, okay, Hazel. Yeah. That's when Benjamin's like, well, your friend was here. And she's like, oh, Lee, yeah, I was just um, going to lend her some dressy clothes for a job interview. She borrowed my car. I walked back. And Benjamin's like, nope, not not her. Uh, uh, Jesse, I think his name was. And that's when Hazel's like, shit, okay, how do I how do I play this? Pretend Jesse is a stranger, a stalker, an intruder. She doesn't want to admit that they're lovers and... So she just says, where is he? And Benjamin's like, well, he's gone, Hazel. He's gone. And that she'll never see him again. So Hazel doesn't know if that means he's dead or alive or what Benjamin means by just saying, oh, you'll never see him again. Yeah, because like at this point, Lee and Hazel's paths have not crossed again. And they will not cross for a long while. Yep. So Benjamin reveals who Jesse really was, that he was his lawyer, that, you know, Jesse Carter would have just, yeah, he would have moved in with you, but he would have taken you for all that you're worth. Like, he would have disposed of you like garbage. I feel like that's just also showing just how much Benjamin is controlling and still controls Hazel and everything. Yep. He, like, says, like, he's he's a gaslighter. Yeah. Like, true narcissist. Very controlling, very manipulative. And that's where Hazel tries to throw it back at him. Like, well, I used Jesse too. I used him to get rid of you. Um, And for sex. Which was incredible, by the way. Just kind of like throws it back in his face. Yeah. And it does, I feel like it does stir him up a little bit. Like he does get... He gets a little like... "Mm," About it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, he banishes her to the quote-unquote room and she was like whatever you say chief because that's what he wanted to be called in their supposed like master slave relationship yep so she does ask him for forgiveness say how she was manipulated by him 
And eventually Benjamin does buy it after a while. That she was manipulated and um, bullied into his scheme. Because to Benjamin, right, Hazel is just weak and stupid and just incapable of power or making any decisions for herself. And she asks if she can go see her mom. She does get to go see her mom. And her mom has severe dementia, so she doesn't really recognize her. And she's not really allowed to go see her mom. Benjamin doesn't approve of seeing a woman who doesn't recognize her anymore. Again, shit terrible human. He does, however, pay for her to stay in a facility that's not a state home or anything like that. You know, as shit as he is, he's kind of holding this one thing over her as a, a power control of like, I will only take care of your mom as long as you like submit and obey me. She says goodbye to her mom because she feel, figures that this will probably be one of the last times that she will see her, but she wanted to to see her. So she gets home, Benjamin's in the study, and she goes upstairs to take a bath. And as she does that, she records a video suicide in the bathroom. And she's just come to accept that suicide is her only way out of this situation, which, again, I know this is a book and I know we went over the triggers. Obviously, suicide is a very heavy topic. We don't take it lightly. If you are having or do feel suicidal, there are resources out there and resources available. In the context of the book, we will be talking about it with a little bit of frivolity, just obviously, given the work of fiction. But just know that this is a very serious and heavy topic. Just have to throw that out there. Yes. She believed at this point that this was truly her only option, her only way out. She was going to record this note indicting his his abuse and post it online for the world to see and talked about how she was a slave all of these things so like she had emptied out bottles and replaced the solution with vodka and she was planning on taking a large amount of pills instead of drowning in the ocean drowning in her own bathtub basically from there she heard the front door bell ring downstairs she opens this door there is an officer reading the miranda rights to her husband who is being arrested and the woman approaches her and is like yo are you hazel of all and she's like yes i am who the fuck are you and she's like i'm detective french we're arresting your husband for conspiracy to commit murder and she's like who's murder right at this point like and the woman looks at her yeah like who and she's like yeah ma'am um yours your murder you this is the point in the story where i started to slip like it really started to lose steam for me and again i i did enjoy it i felt like it was a fun story i felt like and there's still there's so much that happens in this last hundred pages i just don't know if it's like what i wanted out of the last hundred pages you know what i mean yeah, I think I almost would have been happy, like, if it ended like this. With Benjamin going to jail, Lee's off doing her own thing, Jesse's dead. Okay. You hear me out. But, um, <laughs> this is a spoiler for the end. Lee and Hazel both are living their lives, right? They both escape the situation. I, slightly morbid, would have preferred if one of them didn't make it out alive. That's fair. I'm not going to lie. No, that's I feel like it would have been more realistic. I feel like it would have been like a more harrowing thriller 
if like one of them didn't make it out alive. Yeah. But instead, you're telling me that both of them made it out of this situation alive with passports in Panama and then met at a restaurant. Yeah. No, you're right. I think it's because since finishing this book, I've also read two romance novels. So I'm like, happily ever after. That is so <laughs> real. That is so true. But in no, terms of I agree thriller, with you. Yeah. And now I know this might seem hypocritical because we have liked thrillers that provide hap- like happily ever afters. But I don't think that the, the book enough was like a thriller in itself. Like, I don't think that there was enough thrills and chills to justify the happy ending yeah because i feel you know one of the main characters should die where jesse wasn't enough of a main character for me (laughs) no and so i'm like okay his death was justified yeah or like someone snaps and benjamin gets murdered and one of them goes to jail like i wanted something dramatic as fuck to happen and it didn't Through this next part, we find out that someone had anonymously dropped off this audio recording of who we find out we knew was Jesse, but also was Benjamin with conspiracy to kill Hazel. And they had plotted this like Benjamin had offered Jesse slash Carter 50k on his own right or was it 25 he offered him a large lump sum of american dollars to murder his wife and so that original plan where hazel was dupe dupe going in the ocean and jesse was gonna scoop her up and take her to panama the reason that he was five to ten minutes late is because this fucker wasn't coming yeah he was gonna let her drown yeah and so when she was mad at lee for saving her she should have been thankful because jesse was going to let her drown like for real for real because that was literally the plan was benjamin and jesse were going to devise a plan to get hazel out and then just let her drown yeah and then because it's hazel and she left the note behind because she was faking her own death it would have been written off 100% as a suicide. Mm-hmm. She left a note. She had all the signs. She was unstable. Like, boom, taken care of. But then Lee threw everything way off course. Hazel has, like, a victim's advocate kind of talking her through this process as she figures out what her representation's going to be, what things are going to do. She does... She does seem to omit some truths. Like, she omits the nature of her and Jesse's relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. And that she omits a few things about Lee. I don't know, you guys. Like, when I tell you that I was so into the story, even though it wasn't, like, the thriller that I was expecting it to be, I was still, like, enthralled with everything that was happening. And I just... I don't know like there's just something about it like i'm not vibing the first wife what the first wife the first wife that's what happens yes so hazel finds out from one of her fancy dancy friends that she's supposed to be planning like a gala with or something like that a fundraiser that benjamin 
had a first wife. He had a first wife from Poland. And she ended up leaving him and going back to Poland. But she did mysteriously die in a car accident a few years later. No one in her family really believes that it was an accident, especially her brother. Yep, because Hazel tries to reach out to her and the first wife's brother reaches back out. And so Hazel comes up with a plan to take some cash withdrawals Mm -hmm. from her credit cards to try to get some money of her own. So she asks the police officer that's (laughs) like watching her house to take her to the bank. She tries to take some out and they're like, well, you can only have like this amount. And she's like, what? There should be thousands of dollars on this credit card. And the teller's like, well, you've already hit your limit there. So and she's confused. She's like, what? I haven't been taking cash advances out. What the heck? And the teller's like, well, if you didn't make it, you can file a report. And 50 grand was taken out, which we see that the 50 grand was going to be used to pay Jesse Carter for her death. And she is able to take out money from a different charge card. The teller's like, well, there's a high, you know, percentage and you have to pay it all back on your next payment. And she's like, well, fuck, I'm going to be gone. Like, sure, give me a hundred grand, please. Like, give me as much as I can. Oh, in the midst of this all too, she gets a call from her mom's care facility saying that her mom has gone missing. She's just, she's gone. Yep. They are obviously panicking, trying to find the woman. And Hazel immediately believes that Benjamin is behind this and that he has orchestrated this whole thing. And unfortunately, after the search, they did find her mother deceased. Though I don't believe there was any connection to Benjamin, was there? I think it was just an unfortunate happenstance, correct? I think that's what they believe, but I feel like... Or I feel like her brother thinks that there's, like, some miss... Something going on there. Yeah. Or her brother says that Benjamin basically drove her to kill herself. Yeah. Kind of like how Hazel found herself in that situation. That she was about to end her life as well. And so she... Hazel does call the detective and tells her all this story. And the detective's like, don't worry. Your husband's not going to be out on bail, like... You have nothing to worry about. You're safe while he's behind barns. Barns. <laughs> while he's in the barn. Safe behind bars. Yeah, so it's just, it's a whole mess between her mom passing away, learning about the first wife, Benjamin's in jail, and the biggest jamming piece of evidence that they have is this audio clip, which she does listen to. Someone is like, do you want to listen to it? And she says yes, and it's basically just Jesse and Benjamin mocking how stupid she is and how gullible she is and how like, oh, she's we're going to have a better life together in South America and all of these things. And Jesse was just, you know, a piece of shit. It ends up not being admissible really in court because there's no way to prove that the file wasn't doctored and that that is actually Benjamin on the other side of that. So Benjamin gets released prior to like anything else happening. But after listening to the recording though too is when the detective looks at Hazel and was like, yeah. you need to start being honest with me. 
like you're not telling the truth after hearing this recording like there's something here because in the recording they go back and forth talk about how stupid she is but also how jesse carter is like she's in love with me like she's in love with me where at first you know hazel's like no i don't know who these people who this person is it's like ah you according to this recording you sure you know who this person is she does lie because she says that she has found out who he was in that moment during the recording that she hasn't talked to him since he didn't show up when she tried to drown herself out on the, in the water and he didn't show up with the boat. But at this point, Hazel doesn't know, right, that Jesse is dead. She just, She's like, well, maybe he is cooperating with the police and dropped this off as like a way to kind of remove his name yep. that he was put up to it, that he was framed. There is a body that does wash up on shore, though, and that's when they find out that Jesse Carter is dead, dead, like, for real. He gone. Yep. And I just, what amazes me, though, too, is, like, she says for the next two nights she can't sleep, and she got the call that her mom was missing days ago. And I feel like she's been so consumed with everything with her husband. Yeah. And then she gets a call that the case has Uh been dismissed against Benjamin. And Hazel's just like, shit. Like, falls to her knees and just can't, you know, believe that what she's hearing. And saying that the recordings weren't enough to convict him. And Benjamin's lawyers um, said they were faked. That the recordings weren't true and that there was no cash withdrawals taken from Benjamin's account. It was only from Hazel's. And that's when we connect the dots. Yep. When Benjamin gets home, he kind of corners her and is like, listen, don't worry, we will get you psychiatric care. Like, we will set you up with a psychiatrist. We'll do maybe like an inpatient thing. And he blames it on Hazel. He's like, Listen, it was real easy to turn your incoherent ramblings against you. So that's on you, girl. Yep. And then Hazel starts to put together like all of the pieces, figuring out what the next steps she's going to take are. And she does end up escaping from Benjamin. And. Mm-hmm. Yep, she cuts her hair. She develops this plan. So she just, like, takes some of her possessions and hands them off and is like, I recommend you get these appraised. Like, I just want these out of my hands. She basically doesn't want any ties to herself. Mm -hmm. She's driving. She knows that, like, she's basically already said goodbye to her mom. She won't be able to make it back. There will be her mom's remains are going to be cremated there won't be a funeral for her she was the last person that basically cared about her she ends up getting a phone call from detective french and is like hey we need to talk to you and this is where we do find out that a jawbone had washed up on the beach and the dental records matched carter or jesse's nate the security guard had been arrested for the murder and he started talking when he started talking he implicated benjamin in it and it showed that jesse was stabbed 16 times and that his body was dismembered and so they ended up being able to implicate both benjamin and nate on this and so he was gonna have to pay after all and hazel's like no no don't worry 
I have my own plan. You guys handle it. You take care of him. Give him the justice he deserves. She goes to the beach, to this one spot, digs up. I thought she was going to drown herself. I'm not going to lie. I I know this is so morbid, and I know I mentioned it earlier, but I kind of wish that's how it would have ended. I'm not going to lie. I really do. I feel like it would have come full circle. It would have been a whole thing. Or even if, like, he drowned her. Yes, like... and. And because she recorded that suicide, yeah, video, and so he could have easily just drowned her, like followed her to the beach, and like something happened, and I don't know, yes, something like that. But she takes up her passport, she goes to the airport, and in the epilogue, it is in Lee's perspective, or her new identity is Kelly, and she's in Panama City. She's working at a little restaurant, and this is where. She meets Nora Harmsworth, a.k.a. Hazel Laval. And they kind of had this, like, reconciliation. And they're like, oh, we did it. Like, we beat Jesse. We beat Carter. We beat Benjamin. And they live happily ever after in Panama. And that's the end. Yep. All right. So that was The Drowning Woman by Robin Harding. And I know... Like, I was a little harsh at the end, but overall, like, did enjoy the story. Like, it was a, a very interesting story. I just feel like it could have been handled at the end a lot better, but it's not like I disliked it by any stretch of the imagination. I was entertained. Mm-hmm. 100%. And this was a hell of a lot better than the last three books that we read. Mm-hmm. Are we ready to talk about our songs? I'm so excited to talk about our songs. I'm excited to hear about yours. I can't wait because I was i you'll see here in a moment this really was the perfect song choice in my opinion okay so i'm just gonna read the whole first verse because i feel like this is truly what this is but the first verse it's my song was glitter bomb by incubus as a refresher the first verse goes feels familiar when the knife gets buried into my beating heart then i come to bloodied bruised and cursing my own naivete I was on an empty beach on a screaming all-time low. I remember meeting you and sharing these injustices. Let me help, she said. And the chorus is kind of like, I should have known better. I should have known better. And it says, I was your friend and ended up your victim, is the chorus. And I was your friend and ended up your victim. Like, it is so perfect. And I think that... This can apply to just about any, like, this could be Lee at some points, this could be Hazel at some points, like, everyone was kind of betrayed by everyone, Mm -hmm. and the next, it's a shorter song, so, is Please Release Me, Helping Hands Aren't Supposed to Cut Off My Oxygen, and Why Won't You Hear Me When I'm Screaming at the Top of My Voice, and Now I Remember Why I'm Alone, so... In terms of Hazel and in terms of Lee, both of them had been on their own in very different sort of ways where Hazel was completely isolated from friends, from family, and Lee had fallen on hard times, but also made some choices that caused her family to pull back from her. Again, the I was your friend and ended up your victim. And it basically is like, because you're a glitter bomb. Like, and I think that this was... Lee sort of figuring everything out with Hazel like you're a glitter bomb like 
you are someone who looks so beautiful and put together and all of these things but really when you explode it's just a mess of fucking glitter everywhere and glitter is the worst thing ever to try and clean up it even says like there's only you and i in here one of us is acting crazy because you don't know who's telling the truth whose plan is right who's with who and yeah it's just like the whole line and i think the quintessential line in the chorus is i was your friend and ended up your victim like i feel that fits really well yep and i think it applies to a lot of things like it applies to hazel with jesse it applies to lee with jesse applies to lee with hazel and also hazel with lee and like there's just so many ties together about betrayal and victimhood and specifically when i heard the song and it was like i was on an empty beach and i remember meeting you and sharing my injustices like i just pictured lee and hazel on the beach talking about how their lives were being ruined by decisions made by themselves by other people by the circumstances that they were in at the end of the day too like one of us is acting crazy like no one could trust each other no one knew what information was right what information was wrong and i basically did read the lyrics to the entire song but i highly recommend listening to it incubus is one of my favorite bands of all time and i just could not personally find a more perfect song than that one to describe the drowning woman no that was great and illicit affairs love love can't wait to hear about this one yeah so as a refresher i did pick illicit affairs by taylor swift um just right away Alyssa Ferris to me was kind of almost the same way you were talking about how mm-hmm. I felt like everybody was having their own little affair, you know, whether it was not not necessarily sexual affairs, but like, you know, everyone had these like secret meetings, right? Like, yes, Lee and Jesse, Lee and Hazel, Benjamin and Jesse, Jesse, you know, trying to con everybody. So I just felt like the title itself was kind of mm-hmm. fitting. And this is a shorter song, too. But it starts out, you know, just make sure nobody sees you leave. Put over your head. Keep your eyes down. Tell your friends you're out for a run and you'll be flushed when you return. So just kind of going with Hazel's actual affair with Jesse, too. But also, you know, just making sure, you know, they're hidden. And even Lee's, like, daily life, too. You know, just kind of being that fly on the wall and she didn't really want to be out and about another line where it's like it's born from one single glance but it dies mm-hmm. and it dies and it dies a million little times it just made me think of you know even the start of hazel and benjamin's relationship lee and jesse jesse and hazel like all those you know were born from just yes. one little moment and there were so many times that it just like you know died or fell off and it just kind of fell apart in so many different ways just every, like with Lee and Hazel, you know, the line is like, look at this godforsaken mess that you made me. And just both of them were so impacted by all of these like secret meetings and all of these different plans and, you know, puzzles that didn't fold out the way that it was supposed to. Yeah. How uh, the song ends is like, and you know damn well for you, I've ruined myself a million little times. To me, that was almost like them taking back themselves too like you know for you i'd ruin myself like kind of looking at hazel and lee together but also they were like you know what i'm gonna sacrifice this for myself to get where i want to be yeah which i thought was kind of powerful too no i love that such a good song such good performance too oh the live performance of the song the scorned woman version yep (laughs) i love it all right Are we ready to talk about book rating? Yeah. 
our final ratings of the season? Yes. So if this is your first episode or if you've been with us from the beginning, you know that we rate in to the moon and to Saturn. So instead of stars, we give our own personal ratings. So let's go. Let's rate the drowning woman. Okay. I've really been like oscillating between like a three and a half and a four is where I've been falling. Even though the ending disappointed me, I feel like I am going to give this four moons because I feel like through the vast majority of the story, I was, my attention was held. I was thoroughly entertained. I think the foundation was really strong and I just have some feelings about how it ended, but I do think that it was like a succinct put together ending that didn't like come out of nowhere. Like the actions were explainable and it made sense to me. I just wanted more drama and less like we've restarted our lives in Panama. Hello. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to stick with four moons. I thought that after our conversation, it might end up dropping, but I did genuinely enjoy the vast majority of the book. So that's where I landed. Yep. I am also giving this four Saturns. Woo! I just, it was one of those books that kind of re-engaged me into reading where the last couple books that we've read, you know, if you get on kind of a reading slump, it's hard to find that one that gets you back in there. Um, and this was one that I was able to listen to and read and just really kind of get back into it. Totally. So even though I have my opinion on the ending, I don't think the ending was poorly written. Just because Correct. I would have liked it another way does not mean that's the way it's supposed to yep. um, happen. So yeah, definitely four Saturns for me. It's a good little... Which is my highest... Highest rated book in a while, guys. It so. is. It is your highest rated book in a while. <laughs> so, yeah, that was The Drowning Woman by Robin Harding. And it feels so weird because we don't have another book to announce right now. No, we don't. Which is so weird. But but I'm excited for season two. So, so please excited. stay tuned because it's going to start out strong. So strong. I can't wait. We have... We've been doing a lot of planning. We're so excited. We are officially going to be launching our Patreon in January. So this episode comes out January 10th. And so toward the end of this month, we will be launching our Patreon. And then you can keep your eyes out because season two will be launching early this year as well. We will announce our official date official first book and all of that in the coming weeks. So please be sure that you're following us on TikTok, on Instagram, join our discord if you would like we have a mailing list so we will be doing updates and if you're on our mailing list you will get first access to this information mm -hmm. exciting exciting things coming yeah. so 2024 is going to be a great year so thanks for starting out with the drowning women episode with us uh, we have a lot of fun things planned for this year for you and we can't wait to share that with you, fam. Yes, again. Thank you all so, so much for your feedback, your support for season one. We are just learning and growing and adapting. And we know that season two is going to come back stronger and just kind of kick off the momentum that we had from this season. And again, thank you all so much. Please follow us on our socials. Please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. That helps so, so much if you have not yet. And we will catch you all for season two in a few short weeks. Bye. See you later.